Jesus is here. Let's just take a moment. Do you believe he's a God of miracles? What's the miracle you need today? The healers in the room. There's never been a God like this. He died so that you could live. And he rose up from the grave. Name another king like this. The healer is here. The deliverer is here. Our hope and our salvation is here. Just invite the Holy Spirit to come to your life right now. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Holy Spirit, come and change us. Holy Spirit, come and renew us. Jesus, we need you. Lord, as we look to your word, we pray that you would speak to us and that you would bless us in that most powerful, amazing, miracle-working, delivering name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. Amen. So we're going through a series uh, this, before that, let me just say, uh, one of our announcements is that we're having a welcome lunch in a couple of weeks. I meet new people here almost every week. I met somebody new here this morning. Um, I just want to encourage you, please, you know, sign up for a welcome lunch. It's one of the best ways that we can connect with you and that you can connect with us. Uh, no compulsion after that for anything. We just want to give you a free meal. Like, that's great, isn't it? So come for our welcome lunch. We would love just register, sign up. If you're newer in our community, you've just maybe started coming or you've been coming for a number of months or maybe you've been coming even for a year, but you haven't really connected with us, I'd love to be able to connect with you. Uh, my name is Daniel and I'm one of the pastors here and we would love to just to be able to see, uh, see you there. So we're, we're in the series on, on experiences with Jesus. And today we're, we're talking about a little bit of a heavy topic. And that's Jesus and the demonic, right? And the specific story that we read uh, today was Jesus's interaction with what, who was known as a demoniac. Anyone here, you watched the Grammys this past week? Or maybe you're afraid to put up your hand that you watched the Grammys this past week. There was a lot that came out, and I'm not going to go into all of that, but there was a performance at the Grammys that raised a lot of eyebrows, to say the least. Um, that, and, and if you haven't seen it, don't worry about Googling it, okay? But it raised a lot of eyebrows to say as, as someone was dressed in a very demonic way and a presentation that looked very demonic and very, very dark as well. And it actually is reflective of where our culture is at currently, where there is a lot of openness to spiritualism and there is openness to uh, the demonic witchcraft and all sorts of other things as well. And so as we read the story of Jesus's interaction with the 
demoniac or with, with demons and evil spirits, sometimes we might look at that and think, that seems very strange to me. That seems, I, I've never seen anything like that before. And maybe you're here and you've never experienced something with evil spirits to the degree that we just read this morning uh, in, in, in the scripture. Uh, in 2013, in a YouGov survey uh, of Americans, and forgive me for giving you some statistics from America, it was hard to find statistics about this type of thing in Canada, okay, or not that it doesn't exist, but um, maybe uh, Canadians don't do these surveys that much. But there's a YouGov survey in 2013, 57% of Americans believe in the existence of devils, or of the devil, and 51% believe in possession by evil spirits. So I thought that was a pretty significant number to show that there's some idea of spiritualism, right? In 2009, a Pew Research survey, 18% of American adults said that they were in the presence of a ghost. Okay, 18%. And 29% have said that they have felt the touch of someone who's been dead. Right. So there's a lot that, that goes on in this in the spiritual realm for people uh, in uh, tw- 2006. There was a Barna study uh, called Ministry to Mosaics, Teens and the Supernatural. And they studied about uh, they took a survey of about 4000 teens uh, and 73 percent of teens uh, that were surveyed said that they had engaged in at least one type of uh, psychic or witchcraft related activity beyond the mere media exposure or horoscopic activity. I know that's, that's pretty significant as well, 73% of people. A little bit more closer to, to our time, 2019, there was a Barna study that was done. Millennials, non-Christian millennials, uh, talk about spiritual matters much more uh, than older adults. Here's a picture of that Barna study, if my clicker is going to work on me. There we go. Oh, go back one. Okay. So you can see here between millennials uh, and and young uh, young people versus older people, they were much more open to talk about Uh, spiritual things. Okay. And there's a rise of something wrong with my mic. Got nine. Use nine. All right. Sorry for the technical difficulties here. This one. Hello, hello. Okay, there we go. Um, so in, in uh, there's, a, there's a much greater openness to spirituality by um, people that are, that, are, that are younger. As you can see from this graph, 70%, 64%, 67% for some of these questions. There's a, a rise in spiritual openness in our world uh, today, right? And I want to encourage that's something that's encouraging as well, because as we hopefully have faith based conversations with people, that there's an opportunity as people are open to spiritual things to be able to converse with them. Even more recent in October 2022, this was a Barna study done in October 2022, right, of 2000 adults, 74 percent said that they want to grow spiritually. That's pretty significant, don't you think? 74% said they want to grow spiritually. 77% say they believe in a higher power. 44% are more open to God now than before the pandemic. Friends, there's there's an openness to spirituality. There's an openness to spiritual things. There's an openness to have these type of conversations, right? Um, Americans open to spirituality. Over 80% of Americans say that they think 
that there is a spiritual or supernatural dimension to the world, right? 11% say they don't think such a dimension exists, and 9%, um, sorry, 11% they don't really know, say it might be possible, 9% say no. Although religious attendance to churches and things like that are on a decline, there is an openness and there's an increase in uh, desire for spirituality, or at least a curiosity uh, towards that. There's a, a belief in a, in a higher power. There's a very significant study done worldwide recently, Barna in, in, um, uh, in collaboration with many other organizations called the Open Generation. And uh, it really showed a significance, particularly for teenagers, that there was an openness to talk, uh, a rise in spiritual hunger, um, and overwhelmingly, Christian teens, specifically Christian teens, um, say that 76% say, quote, Jesus speaks to me in a way that is relevant to my life. There's something that's going on in the world today. There is an openness that's happening in the world today. Okay. Um, Tonight is the Super Bowl. There are going to be a couple of ads that actually are inviting people into a conversation about knowing uh, Jesus. It's an ad called He Gets Us. For those that are watching the Super Bowl tonight, you might see that tonight. But subsequent to that, there's going to be other material that comes out to help people engage in a deeper conversation about spirituality and specifically about Jesus. So the story that we read today about Jesus's interaction with the demoniac, and I can't go into all the details, so I'll just give me a little disclaimer here. There's so much in this story, and there's no way with the time that I have this morning to go into all of those details. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about Jesus's interaction and some things that I think are really important. But I think the first thing for us to be able to understand, oh, here's one of the other ones about the rising spiritual hunger uh, in the U.S., right? Would you like to grow spiritually? Look at, look at how it is amongst all the different generations. Gen Z, millennials, Gen X, boomers, right? 70s, summer 80s across the board, right? There's an openness. There's a way for us to, there is a way that I think God is creating for us to step into those conversations, to be people that can step into those relationships uh, and really desire. I, I saw another uh, statistic. It was above 50% the way that people want to really know about Jesus and Christianity and faith. The number one way is through personal one-on-one -on -one interaction. Not by coming to church on a Sunday morning, not even by a group but from somebody trusted that they could have a personal one-on-one -on -one conversation. And the vision of, of our church is to touch our world through Jesus one life at a time. Could you be that one person that could have that conversation with that one person and make a significant impact on their life? Because that's the number one way that people in this open generation, in this openness to spirituality, in this openness to talk about spiritual things, that's the number one way that people are looking for. And so what's the role that we play within that? So as you look at the story, I think some, a couple of significant things. Number one, to understand the spiritual world is real. We live it within a, a North American context here. And um, sometimes our own experience might not line up to what we just read in scripture. And maybe you haven't been in such an experience before where you've seen a very apparent demonic possession, a very apparent demonic uh, rule over a person's life. But within the global world, this is something that is seen. I, when I used to live in Mexico um, and, and minister there, there was things that they called white magic, santeria. Um, there, in other countries, black magic, witchcraft, and so many other things. And, and it's something that's very real. And we see that in scripture. Uh, 
in, in a post-enlightenment world that we live in, in, a, in, a, in an intellectual world that we live in where we want to engage in the mind, a lot of times this aspect of, of spirituality maybe is um, lowered or not given uh, in, enough importance, or maybe we just dismiss it and say, how can that actually be? But we see it in scripture and we see it in the world around us as well. And if we have a, a, a global view of what happens in the world, uh, we'll be able to see some of these things that actually take place. Uh, the proliferation of sci-fi movies and sci-fi TV programs, the supernatural, spiritualist movies and TVs, vampires, all of these other things that you see on TV and in movies, they have also created this openness to spirituality. If we acknowledge the divine and acknowledge the heavenly, then there's also a need for us to be able to acknowledge the evil and the fallen as well. And so... In our society, we need to be aware that this is, this is really key. Now, I want to tell you a couple of things so that you don't think to go to one extreme or the other. The first is that every sickness is not demonic, but every demonic experience needs holistic healing. Okay? Every sickness is not demonic. Oh, I have cancer. What's the demon there? Oh, I have diabetes. What's the demon there? It's, we, we, you can't connect every sickness to something that's demonic. But if there is an apparent demonic possession, there is a need for holistic healing. And there's no rule book to be able to say, okay, this falls under this category, that falls under that category. Everything is unique. Happy to have a further conversation with people uh, if you do want to converse. But even better than that is in your life groups this week. And if you're in a life group, this, that's awesome. If you're not in a life group, I would, we would love to connect you into a life group. We will dig deeper into that during our life groups uh, this week. I think as well during Jesus's day, and we'll look at this a little bit more, that there was a heightened time of evil spirits manifesting while Jesus was on the earth. They recognized who this person was. As we read in the scripture, they acknowledged that this is Jesus, the son of God. I think there was a, a heightened manifestation of evil spirits, uh, of demonic possession during Jesus's days as they acknowledged. And uh, we'll get to this near the end of the message. I really think they were surprised to see Jesus. I really think that Jesus is walking on the face of this earth, took the devil and demons and evil spirits by surprise. I'll get to it near the end, right? But I think there was a heightened manifestation during that time, right? Number three, don't connect every work um, against your positive spiritual development with an evil spirit, okay? Oh, I got up late this morning. What evil spirit is attacking me today, <laughs> right? Don't connect, that's just, you know, it could just be you are tired or you're lazy or one or the other. Right? Don't connect every pushback against your positive spiritual development with an evil spirit. Right? Sometimes it's just our sinful nature, bad spiritual disciplines, or unrighteous habits that we might have. Right? We have to be really discerning. The Word of God talks about discerning the spirits, understanding, you know, what it is. And so we have to be very careful about that. At the same time, we shouldn't be ignorant of the devil his devices, the evil spirits that are there, and we should be watchful, diligent, and prayerful as well. So I just don't want us to go to one extreme or go to the other extreme either. We need to be aware and understand, yes, this is true, this exists, this is something that happens, right? But let's not ascribe everything to an evil spirit as well. Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, I think this verse is probably the most significant to see the very apparent aspect of the work of evil spirits and uh, devils and demons, principalities and powers uh, in our world today. Put on all the armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against what? Here is the, the acknowledgement 
acknowledgement that Paul makes that we are fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. There is an unseen world. There are evil authorities. There are fallen spirits. There is a battle in the spiritual realm. There is activity that takes place that is unseen to us, but is very real and has a tangible impact on our lives and the world around us, right? But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Right? There's this, you know, when, when Jesus was here in the world, I'm going to go through a number of verses. When Jesus was here in the world, he sent out his dis- disciples. He said, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. There was an acknowledgement by Jesus. Yes, there is, there are evil spirits. There is this realm that we have to deal with and disciples, I'm sending you forth. When they came back, what did they say? When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us. When what? We use your name. We sang so many wonderful songs this morning about the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is powerful. The name of Jesus has authority. The name of Jesus is above every other name. The name of Jesus can be confessed and demons will fall down and flee at the name of Jesus. Because one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father in heaven and on earth and under the earth, the word of God says. And so there's power in the name of Jesus, right? Look look at what Jesus did for Mary Magdalene. It says here, among them were Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons, Not six demons and not eight demons, but seven demons, right? There is an acknowledgement that, hey, there's something very tangible, something very specific about the spiritual realm. See, when Jesus was walking around uh, on this earth, it says here in Mark 3, and whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking, you are the son of God. There was an acknowledgement that Jesus was the son of God, right? Here, look at it in the book of Acts. We read a couple of other stories about Jesus's interaction with, not Jesus, but the apostles interaction with uh, evil spirits. There was uh, one time when Paul uh, was in one place and there was uh, a young woman who was possessed by an evil spirit. And she kept acknowledging these are the servants of the most high God, Paul and Barnabas and all of this. And so finally, Paul got so tired about that. And he said, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly, it left her, right? There was a a, a deliverance, or modern words would be, there was an exorcism that took place, where Jesus cast out an evil spirit from her. Or Paul, Paul cast out an evil spirit from her in the name of Jesus, right? Here's another example in, in Acts chapter 19, It says, but one time, um, this was, now they had seen Paul, this was a group of people, they had seen Paul casting out demons, just like we read here in Acts 16. They had seen this deliverance, they had seen people who were possessed and in bondage and oppressed being set free. And so they started to do it as well in the name of Jesus. They said here, but one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? 
hold on, you're telling me to come out of this person? I know Jesus. He's the son of God. I know Paul, his servant. But who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them and overpowered them and attacked them with such violence. And they fled from the house naked and battered. Now, you might read this and you might get scared. Well, I don't want to have anything to do with these evil spirits. I don't want to, you know, I don't even want to say the name of Jesus because look, they were trying that and look what happened. Right? So I think we need a balance in our interaction and in our understanding with the spiritual realm as well. So what should we do? I want to just share with you very quickly a few different things. Number one, be watchful and diligent. Right? There are things that we need to do as we pray. How many here, have you ever prayed this prayer? Lord Jesus, please cover me under your precious blood. Anyone here? One person, a couple. It's a good prayer to pray, right? It reflects back to what happened in the book of Exodus when they put the, the blood on the, the doorposts and on the lintel so that when the death angel passed over, when the death, death angel saw the blood, it passed over that house. And so the firstborn in that house didn't die. And so it's a prayer that we can pray to say, Lord, cover me with your precious blood. Cover my family with your precious blood. Cover my children with your precious blood. Here, Peter says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Friends, there is an acknowledgement here. There is a spiritual realm. There is an unseen world. There is an attack that's coming against the people of God, right? As we talked about in our world today, there is an openness to spirituality. There is an openness to spiritualism. There's an acknowledgement of these things, even in our world today, right? Another thing I think that's important, don't be ignorant of his schemes, right? We can't just stick our head in the ground and think, I can't see it, so it's not there. We can't just stick our head in the ground and pretend, you know, that's something I'm not going to deal with. No, the word of God says, don't be ignorant of his schemes. Don't be ignorant of his devices. Don't be ignorant of his plans and the ways that he tries to attack. Again, I don't want us to go to either extreme, right? Of saying that everything that happens to me, oh, there's some devil or demon or evil spirit that's behind it. But also we shouldn't be at the other extreme thinking he's not even around or not doing anything. We need to have a proper understanding and be able to know and, and be discerning. Practice spiritual disciplines, Right? We read about how Jesus went into the, into the wilderness. I was uh, reading a book uh, right now called um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Highly recommend it. It's by John Mark Comer. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And, and in that book, as he talks about spiritual disciplines, he says this. He says, when Jesus, oftentimes we think about how when Jesus went into the wilderness after that day of 40 days of fasting and prayer, we think that Jesus was actually very weak. And that's when the devil decided, I'm going to pounce on Jesus right now. 40 days he's been fasting. I'm going to get him right at his weakest point. Actually, no. Jesus was probably the strongest at that time. That after 40 days of practicing that spiritual discipline of fasting and prayer, the devil got it all wrong. He ended up losing, right? But Jesus was actually strong at that point. And so I want to encourage you to practice those spiritual disciplines of prayer and Bible reading and fasting and some of the other spiritual disciplines that we've talked about many times before, right? That we can exercise these things. Um, D, put on the, the armor of God. Uh, hold on. Okay. Put on the armor of God, right? As we read in Ephesians before, right? Put on the armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil, 
right? And uh, if you're in life groups, I've given a, a handout as well that talks a little bit about the armor of God. There's some printed copies in the uh, lobby. Uh, and for those that are watching online, there's a link to it in the notes, uh, uh, in the notes page as well. Um, let's be, be diligent to put on the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, uh, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, all of these different things that Paul talks about in the book of Ephesians. Also believe the promises of God. Right. Believe the promises of God. There's so many promises. I, I don't want us to leave here being fearful at, at evil spirits or fearful of what's uh, what's happening and what's taking place in this unseen world around us, because we can confess and believe the promises of God. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. That's the promise of the Lord. Confess the promise of God. Believe the promise of God. He will protect me from the evil one. Right. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. He that is within us is greater than the spirit that's in the world that is coming against us. Right. Again, in all of these verses, you see the apostle and Jesus giving an acknowledgement of the spiritual realm, giving an acknowledgement of the good, but also the evil giving an acknowledgement of, hey, there's something that's happening in the unseen world, but thanks be to God that he has the victory, right? In, um, in, in 1 John, it says, um, 1 John chapter 5, we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. So we need to be diligent. Be diligent over our lives not to open the door to the enemy, Diligent over our lives and our families, not to give room to the devil to work in, uh, and the enemy to work in our, in our lives, right? And not to give room for him to, to come into places that we don't want him to be working. But at the same time, we understand that we are held in the palms of his hand and that he keeps us securely. One, one book that I really enjoy is called Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. It's a conversation, C.S. Lewis, uh, the great writer of mere Christianity, he, he writes about a conversation with a, an older demon and a younger demon, okay? And it's this conversation that goes back and forth between the older demon trying to mentor and teach the younger demon and how to tempt and get humanity to turn away from God and turn uh, and, and live an evil, evil life. And if you've never read the book, I encourage you to read that book as well. The Screwtape Letters. Here's a quote. And, and there's a lot of things that, uh, that I could quote from from Screwtape Letters because there's so many different ways. Uh, that's very eye opening to see the subtle, intricate ways that the enemy tries to come and attack and get his foot in the door into our lives. But here's one quote from uh, from the book that I think is important. It says here. Never forget that when we are dealing with any pleasure. Now, this is the this is the older demon that's speaking. OK, so it's the older demon speaking to the younger demon. OK, in its healthy and normal and satisfying form, we are, in a sense, on the enemy's ground. Now, enemy here means Jesus, right? Because we're writing from the, the devil's point of view. I know we have won many a soul through pleasure. All the same, it is his invention, not ours. He made the pleasures. All our research so far has not enabled us to produce one. All we can do is to encourage the humans to take the pleasures which our enemy, meaning Jesus, has produced at times or in ways or in degrees which he has forbidden. I'll give you an example. God has blessed us with the pleasure of community. 
where we can fellowship with one another. We can come together, support one another, pray for one another, do community together, one with another. And that's a pleasure that we can enjoy. I'm sure many of you that are in life groups, you enjoy look, and you look forward to that time when you can gather together in your community. If you have good friends that you gather together in community and do life with, it's a pleasure that the Lord gives to us. But how can that pleasure be abused? Well, what if it extends towards gossip? What if it extends to, do you know what so-and-so did? Do you know what so-and-so did? And that pleasure of community and mutual support and love for one another can be taken advantage of and gone into the realm of gossip and backbiting and tailbearing and all of those other things that end up causing division and strife and contention one with another. Right? There's so many ways in which the legitimate pleasures that God has given to us and blessed us with and enriched us with can be taken and used in a negative way as he writes about here. Number two, Jesus went to the extreme case to give us all hope. I think it's amazing that in this story, when you read the story and we won't take time to read all the verses, but here in, in Mark, it talks about the same story that we read in Luke. It's found here in Mark chapter five, but in the story, it talks about how he was in chains and cutting himself and, and doing all of these things, a uh, terrible situation that this young man was in. Jesus went I think to the extreme case, it's not something that we probably see every day, probably not something that they saw even in their day and time and culture every day either. But Jesus went very intentfully to that young man, I think to give all of us hope because if Jesus can do it for him, he can do it for us. Isn't that right? If Jesus can set that young man free in that terrible situation and state that he was in, look in, look in, verse, in chapter 8 and verse 30 of Luke, it's, Jesus asked, what is your name? He said, Legion, uh, because he was filled with many demons, not just one, but many demons. And I think Jesus went out. He was very intentful. If you read the, 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 the backstory of this in Luke, Jesus, after doing some teaching, he took the disciples on a boat there was a big storm. The disciples thought they were going to die. Jesus rebuked them and said, where's your faith? I think he was trying to build up their faith for this next experience. He particularly left one side of the Sea of Galilee to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee to meet this one person. He didn't meet 10 people. He didn't meet 20 people. He didn't come there to preach or teach. He came all the way over there for this one person. He knew what was going to happen because at the end of the story, as we read, the people got so afraid and upset. Who is this guy that can cast out these evil spirits? Leave us. We're scared of you. Go away. And Jesus left. He didn't do anything else on that side of the uh, lake. And Jesus knew that from the beginning. And so he traveled all the way to the other side for this one person, knowing what he would do for this one person. Knowing that this person for years had been in bondage, this person was oppressed, this person had no hope, and he took the disciples across the, the lake where there was a big storm and they thought they were going to die, and Jesus said, peace be still. He calmed the waters with his word and then came to the other side and, and the disciples saw this man and Jesus healed him. Jesus, I believe, went to the other side to meet this man and give all of us hope because if he can do it for this man, he can do it for all of us. In verse 35, see how the crowd was gathered around Jesus and they saw this man seated at Jesus's feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. Friends, he can do the same for us. 
I don't know what oppression you're feeling today. I don't know what hurt you're going through right now. I don't know what trial or difficulty that might be in your life right now. I don't know what addiction that you might have or a besetting sin that comes over and over again or some secret thing in your life that nobody knows about and you're afraid to share with anyone else. Whatever it might be, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is healing in the name of Jesus. There is hope in the name of Jesus. If Jesus traveled all the way across there intentfully, purposefully to meet that one man, to bring him health and wholeness, he can do it for you too. Psalm 91, a beautiful psalm that says this, for he will, he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from the deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. In Colossians, it says it this way, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. Again, here an acknowledgement that there is a kingdom of darkness. He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Jesus had a purpose for that man. If you look at the end of the story, when you come to the end of that story, what happens? Jesus is there. The people are afraid of him. They tell Jesus, you know, leave from this place. And so he's getting ready to depart. And the man comes to Jesus and says, please, can I go with you? And Jesus says, no, you can't come with me. Go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. I think Jesus had this in his plan all along. And I think this is what the, this is what's so amazing of this story, uh, this story, because the rest of those verses say, so the man started off to visit the 10 towns. This was called Decapolis. It was Hellenistic towns. These were Gentiles. These weren't Jews. The 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told him. I think Jesus had a plan for this man that he chose to leave that side of the river, go uh, lake, go to the other side of the lake, even though there was a big storm and he had to say, peace be still. And he came to the other side, met this one man, set him free, and then went all the way back to the other side of the river, not doing anything else, but left him and commissioned him to preach and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Friends, if you think that you can't do anything for Jesus, Jesus traveled to the other side of the lake to meet this man and give him hope to show to us that we also have hope to serve Jesus, regardless if we think that we are a failure, if we are oppressed, we are downcast, whatever situation that we might be in, Jesus gives us hope not only to live a godly life, but to serve him with all of our heart that is for you that is for me regardless of our failures regardless of what we've done in the past regardless of our cast down situation our besetting sin our oppression whatever we've done there is hope and healing in the name of Jesus and the example is in this man I believe Jesus gave us this story, this example, and he went to this man to give all of us hope because if Jesus can do it for him, can he not do it for you? He has a work for you to do. Step out in faith and do that. And lastly, Jesus has all authority and power over the devil and the kingdom of darkness. This is something that should encourage us and give us much faith. In, in, in part of the Great Commission, Jesus came to the disciples and he said, I have been given all authority in heaven 
and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I have all the authority. Friends, you do not have to worry. Disciples, apostles, don't worry about the devil and all the demons. Because guess what? I died on Calvary. I have conquered it all. I have the victory. Now go forth, just as he told to that man that was possessed, the demoniac. Go and preach the gospel. Right? In Luke 8, verse 28, this interaction again with the demoniac. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed. This is interesting. Why are you interfering with me, Jesus? Son of the most high God. Please, I beg you, don't torture me. In in another translation, it says, have you come to torment me before the time? I really think that Jesus' presence there was a surprise to the devils and demons. They knew their end, that when the last judgment comes, and we won't read all the verses in Jude, you can read about angels kept in, in, in torment and in chains reserved for the final judgment, Jude 1 verse 6, right? They, they knew that there was going to come a time of judgment. But hold on, what is Jesus doing in the world right now? They knew that there would be a judgment. They knew that their end would eventually come. They knew that they would be thrown into the abyss. They knew that would happen. But all of a sudden, hold on. Why is the son of God manifest and walking on the earth? Hold on. Who is this man? Jesus, the son of God. And he begs and he pleads, right? In in Corinthians, Paul says it this way. The wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. See, it was a mysterious plan. Even the angels, as as they saw the the scriptures being written in the Old Testament, as they testified, they saw the Spirit of God inspiring the prophets like Isaiah and others to write about the coming Messiah, to write about the suffering servant, and they couldn't grasp it within their own minds and think, hold on, what exactly is God going to do? This was all a mystery to them. Forget about the devils and demons. They didn't know what was going on. And so when Jesus came and he started walking on the face of the earth and doing all these miracles and healings, they're scratching their heads and wondering what in the world is going on? Are are you here? Like, has the end come right now? Is this the end end of it? Because we know that it's going to come. But he says his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began, but the rulers of this world. Now you can interpret this as the pilot and others, but You can also interpret this as these unseen powers and authorities, these principalities and powers. In other translation, it talks about the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. See, the devil and the demons, they didn't know. So when they were nailing Jesus to the cross, when they were inspiring the people and telling them, crucify him, crucify him, they were thinking, all right, this man who was casting out demons and devils and doing all of this healing and all these miracles, the son of God, we are going to crucify him. We're going to mess up God's plan. He's not going to be the victorious king. He's not going to be the king of Israel. He's not going to bring his kingdom down right now. We are going to kill him and we will have the victory. (laughs) Little did they know, they were walking right into the plan of God. And ultimately, Jesus had the victory. In a very real sense, I think, if you look at this story of the demoniac and how they begged Jesus, like, cast us into the pigs. And Jesus said, okay. 
And I think, again, I, we don't know exactly what was in the mind of the, these demons. They were scared of Jesus. They, they knew that Jesus could do whatever to them because he had power and authority. But maybe taking all of these pigs and casting them out, the pigs ended up running over a cliff and, and going into the water. And that ended up messing up everything because now the people told Jesus, get out of here. Maybe the devil at that time thought, hey, I won this one. And maybe the devil thought, I won this battle because look, they kicked Jesus out. Hey, I, I won this victory because Jesus can't preach the gospel or the good news in this area of Decapolis to these 10 cities. But in losing the bat, in, in winning the battle, quote unquote, winning the battle, they lost the war. They lost because the intentful purpose of our heavenly father to send Jesus to die on the cross was the ultimate and greatest victory that conquered every principality, every power, every ruler of darkness, every act of the enemy. And that's the hope that we have. And that's why I think that the devils and demons, when they saw Jesus, they didn't know what to make of that. They didn't know what was going on, but Jesus had victory over them. And that's why it says here in 1 Corinthians 15, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And invite the worship team to come up. Um, a number of years ago, probably about 30 years ago, uh, here in Toronto, okay, so that you don't think, oh, maybe these things don't happen here in a North American context. Here in Toronto, there was a pastor uh, that I knew. He has since now gone to be with the Lord. But I heard the story from him many times that he shared it. And he was in a particular church here in Toronto, in the West End of Toronto. And after, this, after service one day, a woman came up to him. And this woman wanted to talk with him. And she was very apparently possessed. And as this woman came and talked to him, and he was talking with her, she grabbed him by the neck. Now, this man was about like six and a half feet. But she grabbed him with, with the, a, a demon-possessed strength grabbed him by the neck and started to lift him up. And he didn't know what to do. Except what we all know what to do. And that's to use the name of Jesus. And so as she had him in a chokehold, he said, in the name of Jesus. And she let go and fell flat to the ground. We can speak the name of Jesus because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's authority in the name of Jesus. Can we all stand? I want us to read this verse together in Philippians that's on the screen. As we get ready to sing this song that we speak the name of Jesus. Let's read this verse. I'm going to read it first. And then after that, I want all of us to read together. Paul says this, therefore, God elevated him, Jesus, to the highest, to the place of highest honor and gave him a name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. Friends, there's so much in this story, and forgive me that I haven't been able to tackle all of the various aspects, but I hope that we can see that the spiritual realm is real and active. 
I hope that we can see that Jesus went all the way to that man, I believe, to give all of us hope because if he can be set free and delivered, oh, he can do it for us. And that there is authority and power in the name of Jesus. Let's read this together. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.